Welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And we are going to just be doing a light, breezy episode. We've talked specific movies in the in the last few weeks, but we just spent the, uh, the weekend moving out mm-hmm. of our place in Halifax, which is a very sad feeling. It is very sad. More for me, less for you. Um, That's true. We are... Recording this from my new apartment. Yeah. yeah, you have been living here for, what, a month now? Yeah. Um, so I don't have a place to live. I had to move back in with my parents, um, which sucks. Uh, but hey, what are you going to do? Uh, anywho. Everyone drop Fs in the chat. Yeah, Fs in the chat, big Fs in the chat. Uh, September is the month of depression, so you know, living my life. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you could say, wake me up when September ends. Honestly, I wish. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we moved everything out, super sad, um... And exhausting. And exhausting, but we got it done, it's done and it's happened, and now, uh, on to New Horizons, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The house hunting search continues. Yep. Um, so there might be a little bit of an echo since we're just recording in the living room, because it's hot today, and so I was like, we need a fan above us. Yeah. Uh, so there might be a bit of an echo, but yeah, we're just gonna chat some movie news... We're going to get into our favorite shows of the of the year so far and some of our favorite movies. I, I have a bunch we haven't talked about on the podcast that I want to get into. I know you haven't seen them. but Yeah, no. I, I Literally, Hayden showed me his list of movies, and I was like, I've seen two of these. <laughs> so I won't be too much of a help with these new ones, but hey, I, I'll hear about all the... about Hayden's opinions on them, so... Get you some recommendations of movies you can watch next, yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about spider-man we have to address the elephant in the room here yep the no way home i almost called it far from home far from home this home shit is exhausting mm-hmm. uh the no way home trailer dropped and the internet went fucking nuts it Crazy. broke broke the record of um most views for a trailer in like an op- first weekend that's wild mm-hmm. especially because it it got more than the avengers endgame Honestly, it makes sense. I mean, they've been holding this trailer away from us. They've been hoarding it to themselves for so long now. It's, I mean, it's inevitable that when it drops, everyone's like, yes, finally. Mm-hmm. So, um, yo, yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm so excited. Like, I mean, it's not like we saw anything that we didn't expect in this trailer. Like, mm-hmm. we knew we were going to get uh, all these villains from the other movies. We knew... We know we're going to get uh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, all this stuff. Hopefully. I'm trying so hard to like manage my expectations with that. Come on. But it's going to happen. They showed Doc Ock in the trailer. They're yeah. not going to have Doc Ock and not bring Andrew Garfield or Tobey <laughs> Maguire. Like, That's true. It's like, oh, no. Uh, instead, how about we just put Spider-Man up against every single Spider-Man villain? Let's just have Tom Holland do that. It's like, yeah. no way. No. Um, no way home. But Anywho. Uh, but yeah, no, it's super exciting. I really love, um, I really love the just kind of vibe from this movie. I'm, I love Doctor Strange, so it's great to see more of him. And I just love the idea of Toby, or not Toby. I'm gonna mix up so many Spider Men, so many different Spider Men. Uh, I love the idea of Tom Holland potentially learning from these new Spider Men, like, uh, at, or as a new Spider Man, um, understanding a bit of like hearing i want to know like what happened in toby and andrew's life after the movies like are we gonna get some backstory on who they are like it's true if we get to explore what happened after the movies cut off and like kind of what they did after that that'd be nuts like even if it's just the 
kind of like how they did in Spider-Verse, where it's just like, so here's what happened. Real quick. Bah, 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 bah. Like, even if it was just that, totally down. There's also, like, the possibility that, like, they won't have a crazy ton of screen time. Mm-hmm. They might pull that in the third act, you know, introduce them. But I've heard people also theorizing they could pop up in the second act and kind of have to face this threat together. I really do hope they pop up in the second act, at least. Like, I want a bit of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even as a movie, as a Spider-Man fan, obviously I already know all these characters, so it's not like you have to give me super detailed backstories about every single one of them. Um, but with that being said, I would love to just dive a bit into their lives. Mm-hmm. You know? it's. I agree with what you said, and I also think, too, like, yeah, we aren't seeing anything that we didn't already know. We already knew Alfred Molina was going to be cast in this. We already knew that we'd be getting more Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. I even think everybody knew about the inclusion of Doctor Strange. So, like, nothing in this trailer wasn't already aware to the fan base. Yeah. But seeing it was just dope. Exactly. Seeing it in full fruition and everything, super cool. And also, like, um, I don't know if this is, like, fully confirmed or not, Um but people are theorizing that the fact that when we see that yellow electric lightning, we also see the sand, mm-hmm. that Sandman's going to appear, uh, which would be super cool. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of people talking about Lizard as well. Yep. Apparently, in the trailer, there's some mention or like some shot of like Lizard in it, the in the the containment thing or whatever, yeah. like something like that. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. We There's a lot of stuff that's still up in the air, and there's also people theorizing, again, Mephisto is back. Maybe he's Doctor Strange. It, it never ends. Never ends. Um, I kind of doubt that. It, well, even though, I, like, I understand where people are coming from when they're theorizing this, because it's weird to see Doctor Strange just be like, oh, I'll, change, I'll chance the fate of the universe to help this kid. Yeah, I have issues with that. I'm not um, going to lie. I know it's a trailer, but I, I do have issues with that. At the, same, at the same time, um, I saw a very good counter-argument on, I think it's on like Instagram or something, and it was like, just to remind everyone, before Doctor Strange became the Sorcerer Supreme, this is a man who had the richest lifestyle, would text and drive all the time, like had no cares in the world, so obviously being becoming Sorcerer Supreme is going to change some of that, but still, we even see him in like a puffer jacket and a sweater with the cape on and he's like drinking hot cocoa like he's, he's absolutely chilling yes when the fate of the entire world was in the balance he was probably fairly serious um but maybe he is maybe he has uh relaxed a little bit maybe something's happening such as why the heck is um the sanctum sanctorium all snowy and white i did find that weird too yeah like what is maybe Doctor Strange let a bit of his fun side out, and since it's winter or something, he's just, like, made it all snowy. Who knows? So I I understand why people think it could be Mephisto because it's a little insane to risk the fate of the universe. That's one thing. Um, but also, at the same time, Doctor Strange is somebody who would probably want to chance that. He is a lord to power. Like, when he was unable to read those restricted books in the first Doctor Strange movie, he just stole them off the shelves to be able to read them. Like, he does seem to be the kind of guy who would tempt a little bit with fate. Uh, so I could totally see why he would want to do that. But we'll mm-hmm. see. Who knows? Maybe he is Mephisto. You know what? Maybe Peter Parker's Mephisto, too. Maybe maybe the real friends we made along the way were Mephisto just Yo. the whole time everyone in the franchise just Mephisto bro if Tobey Maguire is Mephisto <laughs> so down that they're bringing him back in into the MCU as Mephisto 
Dude, I. So the the thing is, when you think about the Mephisto thing, it's such a weird time capsule to such a weird time period, like earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But the Mephisto argument actually kind of holds up here, because the plot they're setting up in this movie is um the plot of I think it's called One Long Day. Oh yeah, the comic book, mm-hmm. and the whole plot of that is everyone finds out that he is that Spider Man is Peter Parker. And he makes a deal with Mephisto to change that. Yeah. So that's pretty much the plot we're seeing here in this movie. So it could be, but I, could I, be. I'm so over the Mephisto shit. Yeah, it could be, but I kind of doubt it. Because the reason why is because with a movie that is already going to have so many villains. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's kind of tough to have. I mean, I guess you kind of do need to have a big main villain, but I feel like that's going to be Doc Ock. Yeah. Like, I feel like Doc Ock is going to make the Sinister Six in this movie, and it's going to be the three Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. God, Um, that sounds like the coolest shit ever. So it's going to be dope. That's what I think is going to happen, because now he's got all these villains from different universes and all different movies, and so it, it makes sense that the Sinister Six would be formed here, especially with... People now being like, Liz- uh, the lizard was in the trailer, and uh, Sandman is, is uh, too. Um, I'm sure it'd be really cool, honestly, if we got the rhino, the rhino from um, Andrew Garfield's universe, where he's yeah. just a big mech. He was just like a 30 second cameo. Yeah. So if, I mean, hey, if he comes back too, cool. But yeah, who knows? There's a lot up in the air, so we'll see. Yeah, it's. Such a weird feeling for me as like a huge Spider-Man fan because I'm like, yes, give me Doctor Strange, Multiverse, Spider-Verse team up. But also, I just wish we could see Tom Holland just being a simple, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. We never got that. And it's like... We did a little bit. We got glimpses of it. You're right. Like a little bit in the first movie when he first got the suit from Tony and is just doing everyday Spider-Man things. Um... Uh, no, but I totally, I totally agree. I would have loved to see a bit more of like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it is kind of a played out. Uh, we've seen part it in, of that character. Yeah, we've seen it in two separate iterations of Spider-Man already. Mm-hmm. I guess if Marvel has the right to him, it makes sense. They're gonna raise the stakes for every Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I also saw a, um, I saw a funny edit, and it was like, you know how in the in the trailer, there's that scene where they're on the train, and then Doctor Strange does that thing, and there's just like a spiral of trains. Yeah. Um. And w- one dude posted like a picture. He's like, "Did you guys see this?" And it's uh, Tobey Maguire on the front of all the trains from the that scene in Spider Man where he stops the train. Uh. So he's just on the front of every single train that's in that spiral. Like multiple versions yeah. of him. That's funny. Oh, it's pretty funny. But. Yeah, I'm. I can't wait for this. I think. The hype is going to be warranted, I hope. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this movie is going to be so dope. The idea of seeing a live-action Spider-Verse is like going to be the coolest shit. Yeah, it is going to be really cool. So I'm excited for it. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, do you have any final thoughts on Spider-Verse? Nope. Uh, one thing I want to say, can't wait to see Willem Dafoe again. Oh, yes. The goat. You hear his laughter in that trailer, and it's just like the most recognizable laugh mm-hmm. of all time. I was like, he's back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the other stuff is someone seen a screening of the Batman. Mm-hmm. They, they did it at, like, I think it was called like CinemaCon, or it was like this big Warner's thing. They played a three-hour cut of the movie. Dang. And the, here's the quote, okay? It's from somebody who has seen it. The Batman movie is a horror movie. Very graphic, very dark, very scary. Paul Dano is fucking crazy. So fucking scary. I loved every second. I'm so excited. I knew it was going to be scary. Like, this is, I feel like in, usually we see Batman from the side of, like, 
ah, oh, he's a billionaire playboy, but also Batman. I think in this one we are going to see Batman from the side of that the a lot from like the side of the criminals see like this terrifying dude in a bat costume that just beats the shit out of anyone who stands in his way. And I feel like that is the kind of Batman we're gonna get. Like we still do get that from all these other movies, but this is I feel like this is gonna be so much more gritty, so much more intense. Uh, like I am so ready for it. I, I know people have made fun of DC and they've had criticisms for being the dark, gritty ones or whatever. But but Batman, the darker, the grittier, the better. Yeah, in, in my opinion. And they they went on to say further thoughts of it, and they said, um, closing opinion. There's a scene at the end that literally had everyone screaming, everyone gasped. It was a big no way for everyone. I don't give a fuck about Batman or the DC, and they even clenched onto a knee and was shook. It's the biggest mic drop I've ever seen. So ready. Yeah. So ready. So I, early reviews are saying it's phenomenal. It's and dark. Is there a villain for this movie yet? Rid- Riddler. Riddler, right. Yeah, Paul Dano is Riddler. And apparently he's like this twisted serial killer version of him. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Less I, like jokes on you, Batman, and more like just like eliminating people sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I think I do like this, the idea of having like a sinister evil Riddler, but I also wonder why they didn't just use, like, the other serial killers of the Batman universe, like, um, what is his name, Zaz or something like that? Mm-hmm. He's a serial killer, and every time he kills someone, he makes a cut on himself. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Calendar Man only does murders on uh, holidays, holiday-themed murders, that kind of thing. I, I get the want to have, like, a bigger Batman villain, but there's also so many other Batman villains that are just straight-up serial killers. It's true, but we also haven't really gotten... A good version of Riddler on what? film, right? Jim Carrey? <laughs> the greatest Riddler? We can give love to Jim Jim Carrey, but I don't know if we can give love to that movie. I, I What is that, Batman Forever? Batman Forever, where it's, um... Is it George Clooney as Batman? I believe so. George, it's George Clooney or Val Kilmer. Uh, they did this little handoff. It's where... whichever one has the... I think, I think it's the nipple suit, which is Clooney, I think. Yeah. Um... And it's also got oh, what's his name? Who play the guy who plays Two Face in that as well? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones and um, uh, is is no Danny DeVito in as Penguin is Val Kilmer. Yeah, no. So it's actually we got it switched up. It's Val Kilmer uh, in Batman Forever, and then the other one. Ah, oh, the other one's George Clooney. So George Clooney fights Danny DeVito Penguin. Yeah. Okay. That, well, was yeah. a, that was a weird Batman movie. Yeah, really weird. Uh, but also, I also kind of love it for some reason in my heart. There's a nostalgia there for me. It's not even nostalgia. It's just like oddity Yeah. for me, honestly. I'm just like, it's kind of weird. I don't know. They tried something, but I kind of like it at the same time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the new Batman, though. Not old Batman. <laughs> no no Joel Schumacher Batman talk. No. Um. Yeah, no. Super excited for it. Like, uh, I'm just so ready. I love Robert Pattinson. Love Batman. I'm, I'm down. And people are eating their words. Everyone said Robert Pattinson couldn't do it. I told everyone Lies. he could do it. Liar. People are coming around. If you if you think Robert Pattinson's a bad actor, watch more of his movies. You've pro- twenty bucks says you only saw Twilight. Yeah. Anyone who, anyone who says Robert Pattinson's a bad actor is severely undereducated. Anyone who says Robert Pattinson's a bad actor only watch Twilight and just base their opinions off that. They were like glittery vampire. He sucks. And it's like um, watch him jerk off to a mermaid and then tell me what you think. <laughs> or uh, he's really good in Good Time as well. Good Time. That movie's good nuts. 
watch him just scream delusions of yeah. grandeur. Devil all the time. See what you say. Yeah, no, he's having a crazy career, and I think he's just going to be such a good Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to see the early reviews are like, this is the best Batman movie. Yeah. Because if this is the best Batman movie, like, how do you top Christian Bale's Batman? I, do, I don't think you can. And I know people are seem to be saying that it's amazing, but I feel like Christian Bale will always be my favorite Batman. That's fair. I, like, think, I think from what I'm seeing, this vision of Batman, this dark, really scary, tense version, that lines up more with what I like to see as Batman. Mm. That being said, no taking away from Christian Bale's Batman movies. They're literally amazing. Just phenomenal. Like, even going beyond Batman, going beyond superhero movies, just phenomenal movies. Like, incredibly yeah. well made. So, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to top it, but maybe they'll be able to form their own little legacy right in the middle there. Yeah, exactly. So, on that note, um, I'm sure there's more news, but that's kind of all I... Mm-hmm. All I have. Do you want to get into some of our favorite movies of the year? Yeah, sure. Well, we'll let's start with uh, TV shows because sure. we only have. I think we only have two. There's a couple I want to talk about, but yeah, only two big. Oh, ones. I haven't. I haven't thought of any uh, TV shows. I just the two big ones that I was thinking of were. We'll start with Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, we never talked um, about it on this podcast. Yeah, we never talked about this show. So this is a. Uh, it's only one season. Mm-hmm. Um, limited series. Limited yeah. series on HBO. I believe so. I believe it's HBO. Uh, anywho, so Mayor of Easttown is the show uh, that focuses on a detective in a small town. Her name's Mayor, um, and she starts investigating. When one of the children of the town goes missing, she starts investigating that, and then it turns into so much more and just becomes this huge, intense, crazy case. Big murder mystery. Big murder mystery, and we loved it. We had so much fun with this show. Um, it is... Honestly, one of the tightest plots I have ever seen. Like, nothing was left unanswered for me. Um, it's just so intense because since it is a small town, you kind of just have to assume that one of the people you've met so far are one of the killers. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not really anyone else because it's a small town. So it brings this extra emotion to it all because Mare pretty much knows everyone in this town. And so she is interrogating her friends and her family trying to figure out who is uh, this child abductor. And it it gets so intense, and Mare is such a great character. As much of an asshole as she is, mm-hmm. such a great character. Um, and, yeah, there's, there is so much that this show brings, I think. Um, one of my favorite things about this show is just, like, the cast of characters is so well written. Like you've got assholes like Mare who are just there to get the job done and are having the worst time of their lives. And then you have uh, the mother of the abducted child who is going through like cancer treatment and is trying to make ends meet. And then you've got like the crazy uh, redneck brothers or whatever that are just like getting drunk and living their lives. And Mm so there is there are so many people and they feel so real and their problems feel so real and it's it's just a great show it's so rare that you have like an actress who's been in the spotlight with like Kate, Kate Winslet mm-hmm. been in the spotlight had a incredible career and then just like kind of in like you know as it's not not necessarily that her career is ending but in a period of time where the roles she's getting are less a list you know yeah it's so weird to have like her best role. I think this is Kate Winslet's best performance by far. Mm. And I probably, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, you know, Titanic is 
there's Titanic. But I Titanic think... is okay. I'm gonna say this right now. I'm gonna say it once. <laughs> oh no, Titanic is overrated. You're not wrong. I think you're right. That being said, haven't watched the movie. What? Oh um, damn. Okay. But it's overrated. I I don't need to watch the movie to know that Titanic is overrated. I've seen it. Great movie. Overrated. It's a super long rom com where they die in the end. Romeo and Juliet. You literally just stole the plot of Romeo and Juliet. Put tell it on, me it's put not. It on a boat. Tell me it's not the plot of Romeo and Juliet. No, it's Romeo and Juliet on a boat. Yeah, for sure. Done. Easy. Anywho. Um, yeah, but <laughs> damn, I had to comfort Titanic like that. I really just had to comfort Titanic because I get slandered. My name gets slandered because I'm like, I've never seen Titanic. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, you've never seen Titanic? I'm like, no, I've never had a girlfriend who's like, hey, let's watch Titanic. That's the only way I'm ever going to watch it. I've seen Titanic by myself. I was like, I'm going to hunger Why? down. Why? Because I love Leo. I was like, I'm going to hunger down. I'm going to spend some time with Leo here. Did you did you get hot and steamy when that hand hit the window and just streaked down? <laughs> That's one word for the car it. window. Look, I've seen a lot of clips. I've seen the movie. You've seen the whole movie. If you've seen all the clips from it, you've seen the whole movie. Yeah, I've seen the whole movie. Um, back to Mare of Easttown. Anywho, though. yeah, I think this show is. If you grew up in a small town too, this show perfect perfectly. I mean, aside from all the murders and everything, <laughs> perfectly encapsulates like the vibe of just like everyone knows everyone. You're, every time you go into public, you encounter someone you know. Like, I think this yeah. show just nails it. But on top of that, the murder mystery is so compelling. You find yourself yeah. two or three episodes in, you're like, next one, next one. You can't stop. And mm-hmm. I, I, I fell in love with this show. It's one of those shows where after finish watching it, I'm just desperately searching to fill that void that has been left in me from the quality of television here. Mm-hmm. I love Mare of Easttown. If you haven't seen it, it is by far the best television that has come out this year. You need to get on it. Yeah, check it out. It's uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything more I want to say about it. Just all around incredible performances. And it's yeah. like, like you said, about the tight storytelling, every loose end gets tied up. It's like, that's, I think that's what makes it the great, a great murder mystery. It's just like, it's so, the plot is so tight and so concise and they leave no stone unturned. It's just perfect for me and also evan peters fantastic job in it he plays a character named detective zabel he's the most charismatic charming man yeah yeah i wish i saw more i got more of him in the in the show because he doesn't really come until like a couple episodes in Mm -hmm. um but no fantastic job just all around the like the whole cast is kind of firing on all cylinders here Mm -hmm. even the people who have less to do um i don't want to you know spoil anything but the person who is the cause of the murder mystery, mm-hmm. or therefore, you know, the person who was murdered, she's very seldom in it, but, like, her character is super sympathetic and super relatable, right? Yeah, exactly. And even these little characters, they're all shaded in perfectly, and it just hits all these notes of a murder mystery that you want it to hit. It fills in everything. Mm-hmm. It leaves you guessing every episode. It's, God, Mary of Easttown, so good. So fantastic. Definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um... That takes us to our next TV show we want to talk about that we just recently finished, Dave. So, so good. For those of you who don't know, um, Dave is a show created by the rapper Lil Dicky. Um, season one, ju- season two just finished. Two, yeah, season two. Yeah, season two just finished. We watched season one and two, um, and it's so funny. Like, if you don't know who Lil Dicky is, look up Lil Dicky right now. Listen to some of his music. You'll understand what's happening. His music's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, but this show essentially just follows, like, it's almost like a 
mocked version or an overplayed version of his life. Yeah, kind of like a fictionalized. Yeah, exactly. His rise to fame with just some more absurdity and craziness. Um, This show, I actually struggled a bit with this show. I'm not going to lie. It's mostly in the second season. Um, And I was like, you know what? I I don't know if I want to keep watching this. I don't know, whatever. And then the season two finale hit, and I was like, where's season three? Yeah. (laughs) Give me season three. Well, like... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like the this show, um, I I personally just have like I find that there are shows like such as BoJack Horseman. We were talking about this the other day. Um, I can't watch shows where main characters are just pieces of shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unless the plot is very interesting, i.e., Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when there's like characters in in shows when they're like the main character and they're just constantly assholes and horrible people i find it hard to stay engaged because i'm like why do i even care to watch this person if i don't care about them you know yeah like who am i supposed to root for sort of exactly Mm -hmm. um but dave changed it up on me and he totally changed my perspective and i love him i love dave it is ridiculous some of the shit he gets up to in this show. There's some crazy shit. This show is so funny and so crude. Mm-hmm. But I also think it has a lot to say about white privilege. It's saying a lot about white privilege, particularly in second season of just like mm-hmm. Dave is a rapper and he is upset that the rap industry doesn't respect him while he makes music like The Lonely Island. Yeah. And he feels like he deserves to just be respected and he deserves all the love of the hip hop community mm-hmm. just because he's a fast rapper, you know? I don't, I don't, like, it's definitely, it's definitely some white privilege. I think it's also, like, a bit of, uh, you had mentioned this uh, a while ago, just a bit of, like, that ego inflation when mm-hmm. you become, when you have that much fame and that kind of thing. Um, because just, like, the fame immediately goes to his head all the time, every time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, Dave is such an amazing character, um, he's so fun to just listen, to, honestly, just to listen to him talk. Cause he'll just be like, yeah. So the other day I tried to stick my dick in a jar of Jiffy peanut butter and, uh, it got stuck. And then, uh, I had to take coconut oil and rub it on my shaft and balls just to get it out of the peanut jar. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, he is having a normal conversation with his mom. Like he's telling his mom that or something. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely insane and ridiculous, but so fun. And the characters in it too are a lot of the times huge celebrities. Yeah. It's definitely like mocking and sat- satirizing uh, Hollywood a lot. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's got, you know, like the Jenners pop up a little bit and mm-hmm. then you have Benny Blanco and Justin Bieber's there and it's, yeah. Benny Blanco is like a recurring character and, um, uh, uh, what is his name? Taco is from uh, odd future from odd future is in there too, as a recurring character. Um, you just have like a lot of these celebrities who turn into, who are just like being people in this show. And it's kind of cool to see them be these people and just like these semi-normal superstars, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think just like the biggest, if I had to give like one really big selling point about Dave, I would just say like, it's a show, it's one of those shows where you cringe a lot. And it's very cringy at times, but at the same time, it goes from it somehow understands how to balance like the cringiest shit, the funniest shit, the most serious shit, and the most fun shit all into one episode. Yeah, and it's it's like 
you jump from one thing to another and it feels seamless and uh yeah it's it's a great show it's also not afraid to have different tones like episodes can feel so different from other episodes Mm -hmm. season two's first episode is pretty much uncut gems (sighs) yeah right oh yeah right it's in korea right is that where it takes place yeah yeah it's so it's like this language barrier and it's super frantic and super anxiety provoking Mm -hmm. really weird episode to start the season with but then later in the episode you have uh him I don't want to spoil anything, but kind of going on this psychedelic bender and talking to versions of himself, right? Yeah. So there's super different tones throughout that are, like, just so vast and weird. I think, also, you don't have to love hip-hop to like this show. Not at all. If you love the rap industry and you love, like, Hollywood and whatever, you will get a lot from the stuff that it's doing with that. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's also just a really funny show about someone whose ego is way too big and how that kind of pushes people away from him in his life. Yeah, even if you like just, like, crude humor, you yeah. will enjoy this show. Yeah, like, even the ultimate selling point, if you just like comedy, you're mm-hmm. probably going to enjoy Dave. Now, let me preface this by saying my boy's a little tone deaf. Um, yeah, what of it? What of it? Uh, so he, like, there are definitely some moments in this show where I was like, can he say that? Oh, yeah. Is that okay? Which, like, goes back to the whole white privilege thing, right? He's, yeah. He's saying so much crazy shit. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it does, at times, um, get a little risque and get a little crazy. But, hey, uh, as Dave would say, if you can't handle that, don't listen, you know? Like, I feel like Dave would just be like, and like he says in that freestyle, I'm a little tone deaf, so what of it? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also want to mention Gata. Gata. This is his real life hype man, uh, and he's toured with him. And this Gata is so dope. Yeah, Gata is a great character. Um, he he kind of just becomes like little Dicky's best friend in this show and in real life too. And, like, yeah, they are friends in real life. A lot of the stuff. So I mean, yes, it is kind of a fictionalized version of Dave's life, but a lot of the stuff you see here is kind of like an exaggerated version of real events, right? They're actually yeah. best friends, Gata. Actually, uh, one of the big plot points for Gata as a character is he really struggles with, um, he's bipolar. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a real thing that they pulled from his life and they wanted to, to touch on. And this dude deserves an Emmy immediately. Mm. Like, he's actually like the best actor on the show, which is crazy. Honestly, he is. And it's crazy because he's not an actor. Like, he's yeah. he's a hype man for a rapper. He, and th- I, think, I think the biggest thing for him is like, I don't even feel like he's acting. I feel like that's him. Like, I feel like so much of it is literally just him being him. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's exactly what it is. I mean, hey, D- Lil Dicky's exactly like, probably exactly like what he is in real life in this show. Uh, maybe a little less um, egocentric, but yeah, I think at they, least I hope so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you'd pray because you spend two seasons with him and you're like, dude, you need to get your shit together. Yeah, like midway through season two, I was like, Jesus Christ, man. The world doesn't, the universe does not revolve around you and yeah. somebody needs to slap you upside the head and tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Dave, great show. Definitely recommend it. Really funny. Not too, not as serious as Mayor of Easttown. Oh, so. far less serious. Yeah. yeah. That's like a weird double feature. You watch some Mare of Easttown, you're like, all right, I'm going to follow this up with Dave. Yeah. Um, so I have one other show or two other shows that I want to mention really briefly. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Black Summer. Do you know about Black Summer? No clue. Okay. It's a zombie show, and it is pretty much the opposite of Walking Dead. Walking Dead is this slow, somber look in the apocalypse. Very seldom do you get crazy, scary shit with zombies at this point in the show. Um, Black Summer's the opposite. 
Black Summer is like fast paced. They're running zombies. They are like tearing people apart. And the thing is, this show is not afraid to kill anyone. Like you take anyone in the cast, the show will just make you love them for like so long and then just throw them out the window. Dang. And so like Walking Dead has this thing where like people get attached to the characters and then writers listen to that and they respond to that and then they don't kill them, right? Mm. This show does not do that. There's a character in season two that people loved and they were just like, all right, cool. Eh, dead. Done with him, yeah. And so like that happens a lot and this is just like, my mom had to stop. She loves zombie entertainment. She had to stop watching because she's like, I like am tearing my nails apart. This show is so intense and so scary because it's just, there's like, they're like 30 minute episodes so it can just move as fast as it needs to. I think Black Summer is like some of the coolest zombie shit I've seen on TV in a while because it's just like so nuts. And yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about that, but if you like zombie stuff, this is like such a fast, it's kind of like 20 day, 28 days later mm. where it's like the frantic, immediate after, like, apocalypse stuff, you know? Yeah. Where the zombies are like, there's like 50 of them and they're faster than a moving vehicle. Mm-hmm. And that, that's terrifying to me. And I think Black Summer did it perfectly. There's two seasons. It's on Netflix. You should go check it out if you like zombies. I don't want to linger on it longer. Great show. The other one I wanted to mention was uh, Atypical. Atypical just wrapped up with its season four finale. It follows uh, a character named Sam Gardner. He's on the uh, autism spectrum. And he is a great character. But on top of that, the show is just a super like sympathetic, understanding uh, show of autism. And it also touches on LGBT community and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it, just a very good show. Very com- good coming-of-age show. Great cast of characters. And it sticks to landing. I was worried when I was watching it. They were like, season four is going to be the last season. I'm like, there are so many plot threads. I don't know how they're going to finish this all up. It's really good. It's on Netflix. I would definitely suggest it. Uh, It's done now, but four seasons in it. It ends in a beautiful spot. Great character. Or great characters. And it's it's really good. Nice. So those are a couple shows that you can get around to if uh, you have not been watching any TV this year. Honestly, neither have we, but we've watched those. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you want to get into movies? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm going to start. I have 10. They're not in any particular order, but I'm just mm-hmm. going to kind of go through them. I want to talk about Bo Burnham Inside. Yep. Which is, I haven't, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. It's like, maybe we brought it up briefly. We have not. We have mentioned it. Um, Yeah. No, I was, honestly, when Inside first came out, I did not watch it with you guys. I, I I'm going to be honest. Not a huge Bo Burnham fan. I just like some of his stuff is just too dark and absurd for me to find funny. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I saw Inside in theaters with you, and it was great. I mean, um, yeah, like it's it is such a art piece. It's not even like I feel like Inside would be so cool to see on a stage, live I know. performed. Like, you were talking about how he's probably going to take it on tour, or there's rumors he might take it on tour or something, and it would be, I think I think we said it was, like, inside, outside. Yeah, I was talking to Joe from uh, Cast of Color and Age Narrative, and he, he pitched it as that title. He was, like, inside, outside. And I yeah. was like, I would love to see that. Um, I Yeah, it's it's honestly like a... It's like it's like a uh, art piece. Like, it, it's not... I feel like it's not even a movie... And I don't even want to call it a stand-up special. It's not a stand-up. It I is, feel like that's so weird to say because it's so definitely not a stand-up. You it know? is just like it's performance art, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's the only way I can describe it. Like, it was so good. The music's fantastic. It's Bo Burnham. Um, yeah. 
the music is so funny, but also just like genuinely slaps. Like I've been listening yeah. to it all summer in my car and I'm singing it out loud. And I'm like, this is so goofy, but like wake up in the morning and I'm feeling like a bag of shit. Ugh. It's stuck in my head all the time. Um, this is kind of like a captain's log of somebody like chronicling themselves going insane. This is this is uh, 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, but in real time. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. It's uh no exactly saying it like it's an art piece like a performance art. It's performance art, hundred percent. The best way to describe it because mm-hmm. it's really just like, and it also just really captures the feeling of what COVID was like mentally. It doesn't mention COVID by name. It's not even like we are stuck inside because of a pandemic, but it chronicles that feeling that I think we all felt when we were mm. like locked inside for this really long period of time. We were just kind of losing our minds. Mm. I think this touches all those notes perfectly without being like, this is about COVID-19, you know, like it's not in your face saying this is about a pandemic, but it's like, this is how we've all kind of felt the last yeah. year. Uh, that being said, I, it's totally like, it's definitely Bo Burnham's like, uh, kind of take on it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure we weren't all, clinically depressed and hating our lives and trying to make a netflix special for a whole year yeah um because on (laughs) on top of being stuck inside uh making a netflix special while being stuck inside having no audience to react with and all that stuff that's also so mentally taxing yeah um and physically taxing too like that is insane to try and do um, so as much as it, yes, he does totally encapsulate that. There were also times where I was like, I, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like I felt bad for him at times and I, it kind of felt weird cause I was like, should I laugh at this? Should I be concerned for him? Yeah. There's so many points too, where it's just like, this is kind of funny, but I feel really weird laughing. at Yeah. It. It's like, this is kind of funny, but are you okay? Yeah. Um, so it, it's really good. I'm sure so many, I'm sure all of you have seen it. Uh, if you haven't. Check it out. Seeing it in theaters was such a special experience for me, too, because I'm going to keep it real. I've seen a lot of stuff this year. Currently in my 2021 logged, there are 74 movies. Insane. Just from this year that came out this year, yeah. I think I have, like, 25. <sighs> I've just been watching so many new movies. Insane. And uh, this is number one for me. This still is holding the number one spot. Wow. There's been a lot of things that have come close to knocking it off. It is the champion so far. This is, like, mm-hmm. the best thing I've seen all year. It's just so creative, so original. I've never seen anything like Bo Burnham's Inside. And yeah, it's on Netflix. Seeing it in theaters was so great. Mm-hmm. The music on those speakers was just nuts. And everybody was kind of laughing and singing along. It was really cool. Yeah, that was very good. Um, I mean, with... Okay, so I'll do one of my movies. With my movies, we probably aren't really going to talk about them that much. If you sure, want to yeah. hear a full in-depth conversation about them, go listen to the episode. Literally, we've done an episode for every single one of these movies. Um, but one of my favorite movies this year was, um, Nobody. Uh, Nobody came out this year. If you haven't seen Nobody, check it out. It's like John Wick, but less serious and more fun and better call Saul, my guy. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk is out here killing it, um, and killing people. So definitely check that out. It's, it's just a fun hitman movie, essentially. It's like John Wick in suburbia. Yeah, John Wick and Suburbia, essentially. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, but if you want to hear a full full conversation about that movie, check out our episode on it. Also, I hope Bob Odenkirk is doing well. Do you know what happened with him? Yeah, I was was hearing about some of it. I don't know entirely what's going on, but... I believe it was a heart attack Yeah, that he had on the set of Better Call Saul. And he's, I believe, has made a 
pretty close to full recovery. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we can't lose you, man. No. Bob Odenkirk, get well soon. Also, you were the goat. Also, really quickly, um, I can't remember his name, but the guy who plays Doc Brown. Amazing to see him back on screen. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher yeah. Lloyd, right. I think it was Christopher something. Never seen him with a shotgun in hand, and it was one of the best feelings of all time. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I could watch him waddle around that warehouse with <laughs> like six shotguns slung over his shoulder all day. Give me a loop of that. Just never-ending loop of Christopher Lloyd with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. I'd watch it all night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely check out our whole episode on that. We talked about nobody for like a whole hour. Mm-hmm. It, great movie. Super fun. Um, so the next one I want to talk about, haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. This is the one that was close to dethroning, um, in Bo Burnham inside. It is pig. It's insane. The, the new dude, you need to watch it. It's the new Nicolas Cage movie, uh, directed by, I think first time director, his name is Michael Sarnowski. And I thought this would be like kind of an artsy fartsy John Wick. I thought it would be like, I didn't know what to expect with it. I kind of expected like a revenge thriller. Okay. Pig is not that movie don't watch pig if you're like oh i want to watch nick cage go on a brutal vengeance spree pretty much nick play nick cage plays this former chef and truffle hunter who his pig is kidnapped from him and he goes on a quest to find it and it sounds like something you've seen before but what it actually is is this really like meditative like deep exploration of like grief and loss and it's so weird that this movie was Everybody thought it would be this big action movie with Nick Cage trying to find find his pig. And it's, like, super quiet. It's super somber. And it kind of even explores, like, this weird um, food scene. You know, like, you kind of get, like, this look at, like, the culinary world, like, the undergrounds of the culinary world. It's really mm-hmm. weird. But it shows a lot of, like, why he left the uh, being a chef and everything, and it touches a lot on that. I don't know, man. I did not know what to expect with Pig. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've seen this year. I've watched it twice. I cried both times. Wow. I don't have any shame in saying that. You need to see it. It's so good. I think you'd actually really like it. I don't know, man. It's also the best Nick Cage performance of all time. And I know for some, that's not like saying a lot or whatever. It's not. For me, actually a big fan of Nick Cage. And I think he's delivered some... It's like, he'll do a bunch of crazy movies, and you'll get really weird Nick Cage. But then he'll tap into this zone, this element... And he'll give, like, one of the best performances. Give Nick Cage his Oscar. Yeah, I don't know, Actually, man. I think he's earned an Oscar before. He definitely has. Which is wild. But give the him the Oscar has, for Pig. The man has so many movies. More bad ones than good, in my opinion. But I'm sure he has an Oscar at some point. Yeah, I think he got it for, um... You know what? I can't remember. But it's it's some. it's some Academy movie he did from the 90s. But, I mean, yeah, I think you definitely need to check out Pig. It's really beautiful. It's got just one of my favorite scores I've heard in a very long time. It's such a... Bro, I feel like you say that about every single movie. Scores? Yeah. Oh, no, the music is so good. I feel like you you say that about a lot of movies where you're just like, the score, immaculate. The best score I've ever heard in my entire life. I get really excited when I really love a movie, and then I forget about every other time I've felt that feeling. Yeah, I forget every other movie you've said, wow, this is the best score I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... um. The the praise for Pig is pretty much universal. Like mm. everyone was like, this movie's incredible. And it's also got a really good performance from uh, Alex Wolf. You know who's that? He's um he's from Hereditary. Oh, is he the? He's the son from Hereditary. Oh, so he also in Green Knight. No, that's Deb Patel. Oh, there's two different people. Yeah, I thought <laughs> damn, they were the same guy. <laughs> thought they were the same guy. No, but uh, Alex Wolf, 
kind of feels like an outsider to this plot. Like, it doesn't really feel like he makes sense why he's here. But his character kind of gets shaded in throughout. Damn, man. I love Pig. It's so weird that I have so much love for a movie called Pig. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll check it out. Who knows? I showed it to Morgan, and he was like, Wesley would love this. It's very good. I don't know, man. I have a really... I'm not going to lie. Nicolas Cage, for me... It's, this is like this is we talked about this like the other day. This is like that community episode where Abed tries to figure out if Nick Cage is good or bad. I just have such a tough time with Nicolas Cage because like I know when he acts, he can be serious and he can be like a great actor, but I have a really tough time seeing him as anything else other than the guy from National Treasure. I think it's just because my childhood ingrained that into my brain. Like That's, that's a disgusting bias. It's I know, and it's so hard for me to not see him as that. I don't know why, but I just always see him as the guy from National Treasure. You don't see, um, what's his name, Big Daddy from Kick-Ass? No! I thought Big Daddy from Kick-Ass, it's, it's kind of like a joke. <laughs> it's like funny Batman, essentially. You, you don't see him as... Uh, as What's his name from Face Off? No. Gosh, no. I try to watch that movie from my brain. Caster Troy? No. Um, <laughs> no, I, I get it, though. I totally, I'm sure it's a great movie, though. I, yeah. I've hear, heard only great things, so. You'd like it. I, I definitely understand the, the whole Nick Cage thing. I know some people really struggle with him. Big fan. Big fan over here. I don't know. We'll, we'll do a Nicolas Cage-a-thon in the future. Mm-hmm. Um. Anywho, uh, another movie for me that was really good this year was I for, also, I forgot to mention this when we first talked about our uh, when we first made our list, but um, Justice League was this year too. Oh yeah, I totally didn't even think about it because I was like, oh, pff. Um, the Snyder but, Cut. Yeah, the Snyder Cut. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, we talked about it a bunch with the cast of color. Check out that episode. Um, but yeah, like J- Justice League is just. It's showing DC what they should be doing and what they should have been doing and <laughs> instead, how much like, they fucked up. Yeah, instead they were like, we're doing the opposite and you will never see this version of Justice League ever again. And I really hope that from seeing this fuck up and um, Suicide Squad fuck up that DC just starts to understand how many times can you mess up? How many times can a movie company mess up that bad and not realize, oh, Maybe we should be doing something differently. Twice per movie. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, please, just learn from both those movies. But just Zack Snyder's Justice League, four hours. Four hours that I would watch over and over and over again. It is the superhero epic that the 2017 version should have been. Exactly. And it is the version that fans of Justice League deserve to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's great. We have a whole episode on it. Shout out to the boys at Cast of Color. Very good episode. I love that. Um, so my next one is Coda. It is a new Apple TV. First time I've ever been even remotely tempted to subscribe to Apple TV for a movie. (laughs) But it is the new uh, Apple TV movie, and it is pretty familiar, okay? It's a coming-of-age movie, and it is centered around our character. Here, one second. I'm actually forgetting her name. I want to get the actress's name because she's really good. It's centered around the character of Ruby, and she's played by Amelia Jones in, like, her big breakout. And the plot is, as a coda, child of deaf adults... Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music and her fear of abandoning her parents. And this movie is like a pretty run-of-the-mill coming-of-age movie. And when I say that, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's very familiar. But what allows it to feel fresh and different is the whole child of deaf adults thing and the uh, ASL sign language stuff. It's very 
it adds an interesting family dynamic that I've like never seen on screen before. Mm-hmm. And it's like really, really heartfelt. It's really good. It's like the ultimate feel good movie of the year. It like had my whole family smiling, tearing up. This is like, and when I say it's familiar too, I don't mean that it's like a bad thing. I just mean like it plays a lot of the similar beats with like girl wants to do music. Something is in her way. She starts to lean towards her passion. Something pulls her away from that. You know, like it's very yeah familiar beats, but that's not a bad thing because it's touching on, it's touching on the whole coming of age thing in just a way that is so familiar, but also really, really fresh. And I think that that deaf perspective to it and the fact that the family members are actually played by deaf actors and actresses mm-hmm. uh, is really, really unique. And it just feels really real, you know, really raw. Coda's really beautiful. Sure, it's a bit familiar, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I've seen people use that as a critique towards it, and I've seen people use that as a positive towards it. I just think this is a really good feel-good movie. I think it's bound to put a smile on your face. You should check it out if you have a free trial to Apple TV, because I don't know any <laughs> other reason why you would want Apple TV. Yeah. Um, do you want to spit another one? Yeah, sure. Um, speaking of classic coming of age, uh, just really quickly, you mentioned Mitchell's versus the Machines. Um, very much the same story. Girl wants to pursue her passion. Something happens that pulls her away from it. Yada, yada, yada. In this case, robots. Yeah, exactly. In this case, robots. Uh, very good animated film. Um, a whole lot of fun for the entire family. We watched it without our families, just in our living room, and we loved it. Uh, it was so much fun. And so, uh, if you're looking for a good family-friendly, uh, animated movie that even the parents can laugh along to, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. I have um, a particularly deeper connection to it. Now, this is a little heartfelt, a little intimate. Don't really care. Sorry. I'm mm-hmm. just going to go for it. Um, this was the last movie we watched with our, our dog, Luna, before we had to put her down. She passed away. But it was like she was medicated, and we were just all hanging out, and it was the last. We always watched so much movies with her, and she loved to sit on the couch and watch movies. Last one we ever watched with her. And so it's I watched it with my friends, and that was great, but then I also got to watch it with my family, and it's a very family-based movie. Yeah, very much so. So that was a really beautiful moment for me and makes the movie even more important to me. So you should absolutely check it out. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my next one, I'm going to just mention A Quiet Place 2 really quick. Far from a perfect movie, far from a perfect sequel even, mm. but it takes the f- familiar beats. I'm saying familiar a lot this episode. Anyways. Mm. It takes, uh, it takes the beats of the first movie, and it just expands them. It, it feels like a sequel in the truest sense, where it doesn't even really feel like a second movie. You know, like it kind of picks up right after the first movie and then just continues the story. Um, it's not perfect. It's a little, you know, the pacing is eh, mm-hmm. and the movie ends really quickly. It's like an hour and a half, and then like that ending is so out of nowhere. It just like the entire theater was like, damn, really? just gonna stop there but i feel like if you liked the first quiet place this fleshes out the monsters and kind of gives you more about like what they are and how they function bit of world building a lot lot of world building yeah honestly it kind of feels like that second movie problem where it feels like it's the second movie in between the first and the third movie Mm -hmm. which is what a second movie is but i mean like feels like it's building towards a bigger third movie yeah to kind of finish things off i think it was really good and I think Emily Blunt was underutilized in it, but I think this movie's more about the kids, whereas mm. the first one's kind of about the parents. This one's more about the kids. Uh, it's pretty good. If you liked the first Quiet Place, this is a, a solid sequel, and it's not perfect, but it is a, a good time if you like the first movie. Yeah. I have not watched either, so 
can't say anything. They're good. John John Krasinski is a uh, an interesting director where it's kind of just like I forget that John Krasinski's directing the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love to see my boy Jim Halpert doing big things. Oh, yeah. Um, one movie I'm gonna mention this movie and it's not even on my list. I haven't even watched it yet, but I want to mention this um, solely because I have only heard good things about this. Um, I want to mention the movie Vivo. Oh, yeah. It is a new animated movie on Netflix starring Lin-Manuel Miranda as our main character, a little kinkajou, a little kinkajou monkey. Um, uh, and he essentially goes on this uh, tr- journey of music and love and friendship and all this stuff. I've only heard amazing things from it. The only really reason why I mention it is because I've only listened to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I know every word of like two of those songs on really? the soundtrack. Is it good soundtrack? It is so good. And I've realized that I will love anything Lin-Manuel Miranda makes. We're anything Sims he form. does, I'm a full sim for him. Um, but yeah, definitely check out this movie. I've heard only good things. I'm going to check it out really soon. I don't know why we haven't. I think we just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, we just kind of forgot about it. Um, but I will also tack it on with the fact that one of the movies I'm going to mention in this list is In the Heights. Um, I, how can I not? This is such a good movie. Uh, I absolutely love it. I love the soundtrack. I can sing all of Benny's Dispatch, Piragua, uh, Paciencia Fe. I can sing so much of it. Um, this movie is the feel-good movie of the summer. It feels like summer. It's hot. It's sweaty. Mm. It's It's got all the summer vibes you could ever need. Um, and I mean, I also love a good musical. Uh, how can I not? Plus, again, done by Lin Manuel Miranda. So everything he does is is really Amazing. good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so absolutely love it. Definitely check out In the Heights. Definitely check out Vivo. Lin Manuel Miranda is a genius of our time, mm-hmm. and I will forever be simping for him. He writes the best musicals, and, yeah. and I know, like, also, he's a particular style. You're mm-hmm. either gonna like the music the musical stuff that he writes, or you're going to say, this is so not for me. I hate it. Yeah. But if you like it, whoo, it's good. Not only if you like it, but also, um, as great as Lin-Manuel Miranda is at writing music, he's also a great, like, he, he's great at writing stories. He's great at telling them not only through the characters, but also through his music. Mm-hmm. Like, there is so much passion and emotion in every song he makes and I just love it. Whether it's the fun, exciting Piragua or the super heartfelt and intense Just Breathe. Like, <sighs> just Breathe. Uh, there are, it, it's amazing. Lin Manuel Miranda's fantastic. So if you haven't seen In the Heights, check it out. And if you want to hear us talk about, if you want to hear me uh, love Lin Manuel Miranda unconditionally for a whole hour, whole check out hour the episode. Yeah, no, In the Heights was probably like my most hyped movie of the year before it came out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I'm looking at my list, the actual, the reason in the Heights isn't on my list is because I knew you were going to mention it. And because yeah. I've already made it clear how much I loved it. And I kind of wanted to shout out some of the ones I haven't seen, but in the Heights is beautiful. Yeah. It's one of my favorite musicals maybe ever. Um, it's just great. I could sing its praise all day, but we already did that for a whole hour. So run Check that one out. back. Check it out. Uh, the next one I'm going to mention is Zola. Mm-hmm. Zola is the new A24 movie starring Riley Keough and Taylor Page, and it's pretty much this stripper... The rattiest, trashiest journey you'll ever see. Yeah, it's this super crazy stripper road trip gone to chaos with this this pimp. And uh, no, I mean, Zola is like functioning very much as like a comedy and also like a... 
uncut, I keep mentioning uncut gems, but like this is a very anxiety provoking thriller while also being like really funny. And Riley Keough is pretty much just playing bad baby. Like mm-hmm. when I say that, I mean, she's doing this super, uh, she's doing a black scent, you know, yeah. white, white girl trying to do this black scent and it's really bad. It's really cringy, but that's the whole point of the character. Uh, no, Zola is nuts, and it's I don't even know what more to say about it because if you haven't seen this movie, it's hard to talk about. But it's like just super ratchet in a good way, mm-hmm. super funny and super tense. And it's based off of the um, the Twitter thread that went viral. You probably read the Twitter thread; it was huge. But it was this Twitter thread that went viral where this girl actually had this the story is based on a true story. Did not read this Twitter thread. It's wild. And it's based on that, and it pretty much adapts it very faithfully, and it's really funny. Nice. I would check out Zola. It's like the first A24 comedy that comes to mind, you know? Mm-hmm. But it it's really wild, and definitely worth your time. I think it's been pretty underrated. I, don't, I haven't seen much people talk about it. Mm-hmm. Check out Zola. Um, yeah. Uh, for my, mo- my next movie, I'll talk about The Suicide Squad really quick. Um... Uh, this is fun movie, super awesome. We talked about it already. Um, the only real thing I will mention is my sister actually watched it the other day, and she said she didn't like it as much. What? Now this is why. What's this she is about? why she said this, and I think I understand why. She never watched the first Suicide Squad. I don't think you need to. And she didn't watch Birds of Prey. Now hmm. that be so, I also don't think you need to watch the first Suicide Squad. But I do think to appreciate the second one, you need to watch the first one and see how bad it is. Okay, fair enough. Um, because if you if let's say we never watched the first one and we only watched the second one, I feel like we wouldn't rate it as highly. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I feel like it wouldn't have as high praise because we have nothing to expect from it. We would have just been like, wow, that was a good movie. Instead of like, wow, that was what it should have been. That was amazing. Why didn't they do all these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is some part of that where, like, since we have seen the first one, like, we are like, oh, this is way better. Um, but also, if you haven't seen Birds of Prey, which I haven't either, uh, you don't really understand the character development of Harley Quinn. And I could totally see how, if you haven't watched Birds of Prey or the first Suicide Squad, it would her character would kind of seem weird. Because mm-hmm. she's not the same Harley Quinn you expect to see. She's not loving the Joker anymore. She's right. actually fully against him. Mm-hmm. She's and not, toxic she's not, men. She's not with Mr. J. Exactly. And she's her whole own character now. And so if you don't understand what's going on with that, I could totally see how she, her character would feel weird. Fair enough. Out yeah. of place. Sure. Because the thing about it is, her character is the only developed character in this entire series. Like, every other character is completely new. Yeah. And... and like her character has been developed through three movies that are totally not connected at all. Yeah, um, that is a weird situation for like it's kind of like the weirdest trilogy ever because it's not a trilogy. Exactly, and um, like it makes sense for her character to develop like that. But I totally see how if you just watch the second one, you would be like, "Who is this Harley Quinn and why is she like this? This makes no sense to me." Yeah, you know, and it, it, I feel like it also too. It just wouldn't. Like that whole monologue she has after after she shoots the guy wouldn't it wouldn't matter as much to somebody who doesn't understand you know right yeah um, but other than that very good movie lots of fun we talked about it already check mm-hmm. it out but yeah loved su- uh, the su- sorry loved the Suicide Squad the Suicide Squad almost said Squad. Suicide Squad that's a big difference mm-hmm. um, so my next one you didn't love this movie I really did it is the Green Knight 
<laughs> the new A24 uh, medieval uh, Arthurian tale mm-hmm. starring Dev Patel. I actually really loved this movie. I think it's a very interesting thing where you have this Arthurian tale where, you know, uh, King Arthur pops up in it. And it's actually based on his kind of sh- shithead uh, nephew, I believe, mm-hmm. Sir, Sir Gawain. And I think this is a very interesting dilemma to have your character in where he's kind of... I You you said this early in the episode, you hate things where you can't root for the character. Uh-huh. This dude's kind of a sleazeball. I... He's yeah, but I feel like you could still root for him. Sure, yeah. He's not much of an asshole. Also, I believe it's Gawain, not Gawain. Gawain. Damn, there's so many different pronunciations for it. Yeah. I'm I, hearing it everywhere. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it's Gawain. Okay. Well, I think that this is... I, I love this movie because it's kind of like the flip of, like, it's a hero's journey where he's not really a hero. Mm. And so he's kind of just this pathetic dude where he feels like he needs to prove his worth. And you kind of follow his journey to fight the Green Knight. He... Um, Shows up, the Green Knight's like, I want to play a game on Christmas. Uh, whatever blow you inflict on me, I will return in a year to inflict the same blow back. And so this dude lops his head off, and then he says, "One." the Green Knight picks his head back up. He's like, one year hence. And so it's one year later. You kind of go with him on this adventure so he can take on the Green Knight. And there's a lot of little side quests and things that the character goes on. But I, I really loved this movie. I thought it was visually just absolutely incredible. And I really liked... I like the fact that it's kind of a slower, less action-driven medieval story, where so often we have these medieval stories of the man has to prove his worth and conquer his demons and fight people in battle, and this is just so far removed from that. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like this man on a journey, and he's just kind of a pussy, and it's really interesting. I'm sure I would have enjoyed it, too, if I understand what happened during the entire movie. It is Um, a little pretentious. Yeah, here's, like, for me, yes, visually, stunning. Um, and it is cool to kind of go on this adventure where it's not as fighty fight, medieval, whatever the heck. The same time, this movie is, in my opinion, this movie is so too artsy, way too artsy. So artsy, there, like, I think everyone can agree with me when I say there are movies and TV shows that are so artsy that they are anti-artsy, in my opinion. Like, they get to a point of artsiness where it's not even artsy anymore. It's just bullshit. Um, and I think this movie, I under I, after like sitting with it for a while, I kind of understand what they're doing. It's like, oh, you expect this epic adventure, but you don't get it. And it's like, you could have done that in a different way that made it more relatable for everyone. Because they introduce these moments of magic or weird sorcery things and then never explain them and you just keep going and you know there's an end to this all but everything he does in between means nothing it's i don't know for me the the movie could have been way better in my opinion if you take the beginning and you take the end and you just squish them together like literally the entire journey in the middle is kind of meaningless in my opinion um, I know there is deeper meaning and all this artsy fartsy bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's just about um, Wait, what about the deeper meaning? It was the deeper meaning of the lady actually being her his mom or whatever. You didn't get it. It was all the trials that he's being put on. Exactly, but I I didn't in the movie theater when I watched the movie. I didn't understand any of it. Yeah, and none of it made sense to me, and I didn't care for any of it. Uh, um, I, I will say we saw this with a group of, I believe seven people. We had. Uh, yeah, there was yeah. a lot. We went to see it with a lot of people, 
and I believe I was the only one who, who, who liked actually it. liked the movie. Yeah, yeah, everyone else left the theater and they were like, that sucked. It, it ranged from varying degrees of that was meh, that sucked, that was, I don't know, I didn't care for it. That was mm. good, but I'm never going to think of it again. And then there was me, and I was like, Green Knight is one of the coolest movies I've seen all year. I, uh, fuck Green Knight. I'm more excited for the new Matt Damon and Ben Affleck uh Crazy. The Last Duel. The Last Duel. That looks so sick. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. We'll talk about that when it comes out. I'm really excited for that movie. Yeah. Also, their first screenwriting credit together since Goodwill Hunting, which is yeah. like, they were like, all right, let's make another movie, and we're going to do a medieval epic. Um, but yeah, no, I would I would recommend Green Knight. I really liked it. I think you can get it now in uh, VOD. It's not only in theaters now. You can rent it. Wesley would not. But no. taste their own. Every, everyone has opinions. That's one of the beauty thing, beauties of this. Uh, I would say check out Green Knight. Um, yeah. Just like, as a final thing to say about Green Knight, it is interesting, I guess. Um, but when you... I, I agree with you when I when you say that you like the idea of a medieval movie that's not a medieval epic. Um, it is a very interesting concept, but if you're going to set the stage of, in a medieval era... What's the point of not having sword fights and uh, like massive armies and giant castles and dragons and mythical things, you know? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the staple of that era. That being said, you can probably make an interesting movie um, about it being normal, I guess. If, I, I don't know. So we'll see. Um, but Green Knight from, just wasn't it for me. Yeah. I, I, last thing. I, do, I don't want to linger on any longer, but I just think having a a lead where it's kind of like you can be a hero or you can fizzle out nothing kind of like the choice is yours and just kind of feeling feeling the weight of the fact that this dude really just doesn't want to be a, a hero like king arthur i just found that was such an interesting dynamic because he's kind of just a smock a schmuck i actually think he does kind of want to be this epic there is kind of this need for him to he kind of wants this epic adventure he just doesn't want the work the work of it yeah you know like yes he probably doesn't want to be the great king of like take the place of king arthur or whatever but he does want to be a chivalrous knight and get that amazing grand story or whatever that he can tell while he's sitting in a tavern with his other knight friends mm -hmm. um but he just doesn't want the work of it so yeah he wants the respect of everyone else who deserves the respect mm -hmm. without actually having to put in the effort to get that respect you know yeah yeah, I, I, I quite liked it, but understand why one wouldn't. Yeah, no, I, he's not that good. Anywho, um, uh, I will also mention, uh, this is kind of weird to say because I feel like this is not a movie of 2021 because we saw it so long ago, but Judas and the Black Messiah, we never ended up doing an episode about this movie, um, but I this is a really cool movie, and I'm sure anyone who has watched it uh, un totally gets what I'm talking about when I say this movie had no, didn't really feel like it had a main character. It had two main characters. Mm -hmm. And both the performances given by Daniel Kaluuya and um, Lakeith Stanfield, amazing, insane, incredible. Um, not only the performances were great, but also just the message of the movie. Uh, it's, like, so important to know the history of, uh, like, all of the stuff that was going on in this setting and during this time. And... Uh, like what the Panthers movement essentially was and what they were trying to do. And so I think this movie really does encapsulate a lot of that and the struggle that these people had to go through and the absolute horrible racistness of the world at the time. And the fact that the FBI 
assassinated uh, Fred Hampton. Yeah, exactly. And so they kind of pit two black men against each other to do that. Exactly. And the way that it handles that is, is really, really cool. It is very cool. Um, that being said, it is very sad to hear that um, the, I can't remember his real name, uh, but the character that um, Lakeith Stanfield essentially portrayed, um, I don't know if it was after this movie or after, no, it was after an interview. Um, he, years later, this guy did an interview talking about what, like, stuff he did for the FBI and all the double-crossing he essentially did, and then the next day he killed himself because he couldn't handle it. Walked into traffic, right? Yeah, or something like that. Um, and, uh, like, it's, it's very much understandable. I mean, as horrible as it sounds, um, to be on the internet and showing the entire world, hey, I portrayed, I betrayed my brothers. Like, I betrayed my brothers in arms. I betrayed, like, the people who cared for me and I cared about. Um, He's... It's... Oh, go ahead, sorry. It's it's tough, and um, this movie definitely shows that. Like the Keith Stanfield definitely does a good job at portraying the fact that as he goes on, he thinks about the things he's doing and how like horrible it actually is. Yeah. Um. And so it's it's an amazing story. It's an amazing movie. Definitely check it out. Um. And Daniel Kaluuya's accent, um, amazing. His character work on becoming Fred Hampton. Perfect. Flawless. He is so British in real life. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. And he pulls off such a good American accent. That's wow. like, um, sorry to throw it back to Mayor of Easttown, but uh, Kate Winslet's accent, she's completely British. And her accent in that is like a Minnesota, like small town kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. So super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say check out Judas and the Black Messiah. Both uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Lee Keith Stanfield were both nominated for the Best Supporting Actor. Which is such a weird thing to have two leads be nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but it goes back to what you said, where it's like, they're not really a main character here. There's no, this movie is, it's telling the lives of these two characters and the situation that they're in, you yeah. know? So, yeah, there's no real main character, but two amazing actors. Yeah, just a very intense, wild movie, and I can't believe we never did an episode on it. So good. Yeah. Check it it's out. It's just one of those ones that slipped by. So, we are at uh, an hour and 11 minutes, so I'm going to kind of rapid fire through the next ones just to yeah. to get through it but i wanted to talk about summer of soul which was the musical documentary that came out earlier this year directed by Questlove, about the oh, right. um, yeah yeah about the don't one second i want to get the title of it uh it's about the harlem cultural festival and it was during the same summer of woodstock mm-hmm. and so you're kind of hearing this restored it's this restored footage of all the music from that summer and it's a lot of black artists and in new york black artists and it's it's just a really beautiful musical documentary about this music festival that was kind of just silenced by like the bigger weight of woodstock right Mm -hmm. and so i I mean as somebody who's always been really interested in woodstock i found this to be particularly engaging because i've never heard about the harlem cultural festival and it's like kind of a cooler music festival like the musicians that were playing here and the energy of the crowd that was playing here it's it's really dope, and I think that the restored footage is beautiful, and there's a lot of interviews with people who, who were there and with the family of people who were there, and it just seems really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a big thing that kind of just got pushed into nothingness until this footage was released. 
Yeah. And the footage just sat on our shelves because people suck and they were like, nobody wants to see footage of a black music festival. And you're fucking wrong. <laughs> this music festival is incredible and you're racist. So, yeah, no, I, definitely check it out. I think it's on Disney Plus, I believe, or wherever you get your Hulu, I think. I don't know. Hmm. It's on one or the other. Uh, so I also wanted to talk about The Night House, which was a horror movie I just saw last week. Uh, probably the best horror movie I've seen all year. It's really wild. It's kind of similar to Hereditary in the sense where it's kind of like an exploration of, of grief through this. But this girl, her husband, uh, kills herself, and she's played by Rebecca Hall. Or her, her husband kills himself, and she kind of finds this dark shit as she tries to unravel what happened and why, right? Mm-hmm. Really engaging with a really twisty and turny plot, and it's also genuinely scary. There's a lot, like, I'm pretty hardened when it comes to horror movies. There's a lot of... It takes a lot to scare me, and there was a lot of moments in this movie where I, like, tensed up, and there's a lot of, like, shit-your-pants moments in this movie, mm-hmm. especially in a theater, and I think it's a great story. I think it's got great acting. You should check it out. I think it's still in theaters, and that's the only place you can see it right now. So if you're comfortable going to see it in theaters, it's a, one of the best horror movies I've seen in the last little bit, and I would highly recommend it. And so the other two, I'm not even going to really get into them or explain too much about them but there's together together which is about a man who hires a surrogate he's 40 years old and uh hasn't really found the right relationship so he's like i want a kid i don't want to wait uh, my life has passed me by i want a kid so he hires a surrogate and it's kind of just the bond that forms between those two during that process and it's this really sweet like platonic bond right it's like i i feel like so many movies are like we need to have a relationship there's they need to fall in love and this movie's really not worried about that it's kind of exploring just this platonic connection that these two people form throughout this process. And it's really beautiful. Ed Helms is at his, in his element here. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like so many people just view him as Andy from The Office. And this is a really sweet performance for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. The other one I wanted to mention, the, the last one I wanted to mention, is the new Mads Mikkelsen movie, uh, Riders of Justice, which follows a man named Marcus. He's the deployed military man who has to go home uh, to his teenage daughter when his wife dies in a tragic accident. And it seems to be plain bad luck, but it turns out that it might have been a super orchestrated assassination. And he kind of explores what really happened there. Mm. Uh, really wild, intense action movie with some, some pretty good comedy as well. Mads Mikkelsen is just one of the best actors of our generation. I've never even heard of this movie. I have really? no idea what you're talking about. It's super good. It came out uh, earlier this year, and it's a, it's a Danish movie. Mm. So... Uh, I made my parents do a, another round in Riders of Justice double feature. I was like, I'm going to educate you guys on Mads Mikkelsen's Danish, Danish movies. And this one was, this was my first time watching this one. It's really good. It's really well done. Um, good comedy, good action. And just like, I love, I, I can't say it without spoiling it, so you'd have to check it out. But I love where the story goes in the last 45 minutes to an hour of it. It's super intense and uh, kind of, just kind of like, it's, it's like bad luck just mm. like wrong place wrong time sort of thing you know and it, I think it's really interesting I would check out all these movies it's a yeah. great great list um, it's been a pretty good year even though you know we've been struggling to go back to movie theaters and things are kind of just getting quietly dumped on streaming services there's so many good movies here that haven't really gotten the attention I feel that they deserve so I was like we need to do an episode we need to talk about some dope movies that have come out this year yeah, no, there's definitely lots to check out. So even though the movie theaters are closed or if you don't feel comfortable going to the theaters, there are still lots of movies out there that you can definitely check out. And you can listen to more of our 
conversations about said movies on the Dive Movie Cast. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also uh, find us on our Instagram at the Dive Movie Cast and our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutrich, and it is the same name on our letterbox. I have a giant list of 73 movies that I've seen this year, so if you were interested in this top 10 list that I kind of formed, there's another. There's six times that in this list, so there's plenty of movies you can go check out that I pure, have. I have loved. Pure insanity. I've never met somebody who watches as many movies as Hayden. It is insane. Take I it as a compliment. I'll take it as a compliment. Anywho, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next.